Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Yes, y'all. We got a very special guest this week looking to talk to him about his expansion. Um, it feels like a, a whole pot about expansion. We're also talking about the NBA and its expansion, um, possibilities around the league and cities involved. We also uh, just got off the weekend of celebration of my gracious co-host, Evan Turner, who's expanded to the age of 35. He's expanding his mm-hmm. watch collection as well. And so um, this is a fun one, more thought-provoking. Sit back, relax, and learn something. Point forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something. something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. game. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Point Forward, the podcast. Myself, Andre Iguodala, my main man, Evan Turner. E.T., how you doing, my guy? I'm doing well. I'm chilling. Just had an amazing weekend. I celebrated my 35th birthday uh, back home with the family. With, uh, you know, some family and friends, we went to the Lauryn Hill concert. And, uh, you know, and my best friend actually bought me a brand new watch for my birthday. So I'm, I'm on cloud nine. Oh, I like the double entendre, the cloud yeah. nine. You already and know. shout out to my man Jody Meeks, because my response would be, you know I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. <laughs> We got to catch nah. up with Jody. We got yeah, jo- nah, Jody is a Kentucky to. legend. We're going we gonna to go rock with Jody. We're going to find him. And he's a coach right now for, what is it, the, the DC, DC Go-Go? Yeah, yeah DC I'm, I'm, Go-Go. I wonder how Coach Jody meets it. That's, that's a hilarious a hilarious sight. But um, anyways, man, I appreciate you coming to hang out this whole weekend and obviously adding an, another notch to the belt of our uh, bromance or whatever you want to call this. So, Yeah, it was... It was I got emotional this week past weekend. I appreciate that. Uh, it was a blessing to exist in the world of Lauren Hill. I was. Th- this is something that will revoke my black card, but I'm not as well versed in Lauren Hill as I should be. But I've tried multiple times. But when you feel something like that with not even knowing all the words, I think that just speaks volumes to her. So I appreciate you with the unlock because now I'm gonna go back again. And I would Wait, be I, able to. I think you like, might have told me that. Yeah, you said you said you never you never really dove into the Lauren Hill 
like music, you never like really stand on like the miseducation. I don't think you understood the miseducation of Lauryn Hill, did you? That's what I'm saying. I wasn't, I wasn't mature enough, or I just couldn't quite get it. And sometimes things feel different in time. Yeah. Like you know, I go back to certain music that I listened to before, and it's, it doesn't have the same effect. So you need to end that moment in time, like your age, your maturity, whatever. And so I missed Lauryn Hill, but I think hers is so timeless that I think I can, I can, I can get to where I need to be. So I'm, I'm Bro, gonna get she, there. And she really performed her, like she really performed Ooh. her ass off. She was sick. And bro, when when she got the flowing, bro, literally like her flow is crazy, like unbelievable. Like I was sitting there like, holy shit, I'm watching Lauryn Hill with my yeah. family, like my daughter's yeah. here. Like this is a help. It, it was that was a great night, G. Yeah, that, that was, was a special. great night. Yeah, that was I enjoyed special. it for sure. Yeah, I haven't been moved like that. But but maybe a, not, I don't even know if it was a handful of times in my life. But that was a that was an experience. That was what's up. So who was better? Um, because you and I both separately, we were in the building at the same time. But back in 2011, we saw the Watch the Throne tour, Jay-Z and Kanye. So in that experience, not saying like the certain level, because, you know, the, right. the song Niggas in Paris was huge. Right. But what type of vibe, what, what hits you different? Or was it Yankee Stadium, Eminem and Jay-Z type of, like, even more crazier? Was that up there with one of some of the best concerts? Yeah, because I've probably seen, well, it's been a, Three concerts that have moved me, moved me that I can remember. Wait, no, Prince was good. Prince was good. Yeah, when Prince you moved see Prince? me. I saw Prince like this last concert before they took him out. Oh, I mean, before he passed. Yeah. But I will say, the life of Pablo. Oh, you said that was crazy before he went crazy. You said that was crazy. Yeah, that was like number one, and then like. Like Lauren Hill slash Prince slash Watch the Throne, all sit right there too. And sh and like shout out to Philly because Philly has a certain energy they bring for Jay Z that they don't really bring anywhere else, including their sports. But the Eagles got it popping. But Philly had it going. Philly had it crazy for Watch the yeah. Throne. And I saw Watch the Throne in like three different cities, and Philly was by far the best one. Really? Damn. Yeah, it was That's crazy. how I feel about the Usher concert. I've seen Usher like seven times. Usher was good. Yeah, any, I'm done seeing Usher, but legitimately, it's been a great weekend. That was a great concert. We were able to see Lauryn Hill. We were able to kick it a bit, and we were also able to expand my watch collection, which was uh, something I'm super grateful for because I was I was sitting on stale for a minute. <laughs> I understood. Point forward. Speaking of expansion, having a knowledge of a lot of the things that are surrounding us and being at the forefront of communicating about what's next. Um, and I think that's what this episode is about. Really excited about this one. And part of it is taking a deep dive into Adam Silver's recent comments or his announcement about the NBA expanding to 32 teams, possibly. The pros and cons of adding an expansion team. And so you do have to get your timing right. And you know, I always say with that scale, there's the basketball side and there's the business side. And you, the basketball side should always tip the scales of importance over the yeah. business side. Or else the game gets, it can cause chaos within the game and how it's played. And it, it, can, be, it can be bad. And we never want to get there. And so right now we're in a good place. After week one, we've been talking about there. After week one, you can put a lot of teams in, in the true running to win a championship. Like there's more than four. 
Whereas in the past, like you said, it was a, it was a long time where, it's, you know, yeah, I was mad at Steph for being really good. Um, but the pros and cons of adding a new NBA team, um, starting with the pros. You know, two new big markets added in time for the new TV contracts, uh, a higher number. And I think that's where you go global with the possibility of a city like Mexico City mm-hmm. or just Vegas with the energy around sports betting. Um, 30 more roster spots are open. You know, a big thing about the union is player security. You know, you want players to have more jobs for a longer period of time. Um, I don't know if this is a pro or not, because I'm a big fan of 82 games. You know, Richard Jefferson always says this, so I won't steal his line. A part of that passage to being a professional basketball player and being one of the best players in the world is going through the gauntlet of playing 82 games a year. And so I never want to see the games be reduced. Yeah. Um, But on our list, we're saying that can be – a reason why the league could have a real reason to reduce the number of games, maybe to 76 games. And then you also just increase revenue and visibility just by having uh, a, a larger, a larger market to, um, to play to. Con side, um, you reduce the payout of distribution from national TV deals. Uh, so, and it could possibly dilute the volume of each team. I could argue that all day, all yeah. day long. Well- yeah, let's argue that after this, because I do want to – that's an interesting topic to bring up right after that one, that point. That's... Yes, okay, so we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And then small market teams definitely don't like expansion. Uh, you got more attractive cities, especially with all the cities we named. You know, you got Seattle, you got uh, Vancouver, Mexico City, and obviously Vegas. Those are four very, 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 very attractive cities, even though two are out the country. Uh, that might take away from smaller markets who struggle to get um, free agents. And then we're saying it it would be harder to create super teams, but I don't know if that's a pro or a con. So we'll just leave that there. It wouldn't be hard to create super teams. They're going to figure out a way to (laughs) to swing from them. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nick's going to make a way, believe that. And in terms of super teams, the league could use that um, to reduce player power, quote unquote, um, in terms of, yeah, the player power with the CBA. Um, You got more teams in the play. You got a lot of money, more money being distributed uh, to players for max contracts. So it would entice a guy to, a guy could sign for $100 million a year very soon after this TV deal possibly. Or if he wanted to go to L.A., he would only take 50. I don't know too many guys that would take 50 over 100 million. And if it's a year with Stat Jack said, if it's a championship, he doing it. No, it ain't worth that much. And I, I, <laughs> I, I actually did it. Yeah. It depends on who you are. If you're in the right market for yourself and you know your end goal, it works to take less. But if you're taking less and you're a superstar, it's not worth it. If you're taking less and you're like like the fourth or fifth most important on your team, I wouldn't say better, but fourth or fifth most important down the line, taking less is more beneficial to win a championship. And this is a con. This is, a, this is not a good yeah. thing in terms of expansion, but more roster spots do dilute, dilute the quality of play. I do think 
we have too many guys that are playing in the NBA that don't belong in the NBA. Yeah. And when I say belong, you can speak to this. If you're not in the top eight, which the top eight is 30 teams, that's 240. It's 450 players on lead. Like, keep it a bean, Dre. If you're not in the top eight, bro, like, you just – you're in a practice type shit. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're in the top eight going somewhere and playing, like, you'll be able to play elsewhere. But it's like – yeah, the expansion, I, I'm, I'm worried that too many people in the town will kind of drop off. And not in like a negative sense, but it's already like four or five people on the team that are just there anyways. You know what I'm saying? But what city would you like to see the two new expansion teams in? Realistically and hypothetically. Like to me personally, I think like it's a no-brainer for Seattle or Las Vegas. Right. But I came here to tell you why Columbus, Ohio would be perfect to get NBA team. I said that before, and people, when we were on JJ Reddit's pot, after he and I got uh, crucified for saying the but team should go from now, Memphis now, to Nashville. I think they misinterpreted what you said. I didn't see it as you're saying that Memphis I think JJ, when JJ... I don't think, J, I don't think JJ yeah. was saying it either. I think you yeah, were more yeah. or less saying, yeah. you know, like Memphis or... I mean, I, maybe you brought it up. I think you may have said it before JJ, and I'm I would take your side before I would take any other person's side. But I, I didn't think JJ was saying like, yeah, move Memphis. I think he was just he just moved on quickly as mentioning another city and it was a it was in the same breath but a different conversation. He wasn't yeah. saying move Memphis, he was more so saying like, okay, this city will be added, not moving Memphis, but including Memphis. Uh, still being in the league. So I do think there was a misinterpretation there by some listeners. Yeah, well, and there was some local Memphis dude that, that gave me like 24 hours to issue an apology. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the video, but I was like, bro, what? Like, man, I'm sorry, my nigga. I don't care. Like, it, I'm sorry. Like, you know what's dope, though? My bad. I had to explain to a guy. I usually mm, – it's less and less. But I was probably like once a month now, maybe once – every other month that someone will mention Memphis to me in like an elevator or random place. And so getting off the elevator in uh, New York, when I I was there for the retirement, a guy was real cool and he wanted a picture. And I was like, cool. He was like, man, we from Memphis. We from Memphis. And I'm like, oh, that's what's up. It's all love. He was like, man, I wanted you to play for us. So I had to explain to him again about that situation. But once I, once I explained to him, you know, how business works, how sports work, you know, how the narrative works. He was very gracious in terms of, oh, I didn't know, you know, my bad. It's all love. And so it was it was super cool. So, um, yeah, much love. And, you know, Memphis, a grind city era, like growing up and everything was like some of my favorite times. And even just uh, the energy of how they got the, the franchise now cracking. It's dope to see. Yeah. So, yeah, Mem- shout out Memphis, to everybody in Memphis. Yeah. Memphis can never leave Memphis, by the For way. For sure. And no, I mean, I don't think we understand why. There's a, there's a book I got to find the name of I was reading. Um, Called and, Bill, and Bill Street Could Talk? It's not that one. Um, it was basically on the history of African Americans and um, our struggle through, um, you know, coming from the South, going up North, ownership of things that being destroyed, race riots, race wars, so on and so forth. But it was a guy, uh, I think he's riverboat background he, he got he found his way up north and he was like i think he was a half breed black and white hmm. 
but you're still a slave, even if you're half. Yeah. But it's, maybe his father had some with riverboats and he worked on there, worked his way up to Memphis. He ended up owning like a third of all of Memphis. Like he had oh, all the money. And they basically took all the stuff from him, blew it up or whatever, burned it. It was crazy, crazy story. I, I got to get that book. I, I got to be more uh, versed yeah. in that. But somebody can we'll look it up. The, the sparking, sparking a thought is all that matters. But, we'll put that on the book list for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Memphis is um, Memphis has probably the highest percentage of African Americans in the NBA city. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest with you, and. It, I don't know what happened like last series or whatever. Like they also are like a very classy like group as well. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, they don't yeah, yeah. get as buckets sometimes. It's like Atlanta might get buck. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might walk up in a building like, bro, if you don't get the fuck out of my. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't get the fuck out of my face, G. Like it depends the on towards the, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're cool, but you know, they, it was something with the Warriors, and it got kind of interesting there. But I will say. Uh, I am a fan of their coach. Like I watch him closely. I like yeah. how he's super competitive. Yeah. They got those guys down there playing great brand of basketball. Like, you know, some some basketball is good for the game, some game, brand is bad for the game of basketball. And I think the way that they coach, they raise uh, you know, the competitive nature, the IQ, all their players when they're on their court you know, they, they play with a sense of pride, with a sense of duty yeah. to the actual game. They're trying to push it forward. And I can sense that within the organization. So I got nothing but respect for them. Shout out to uh, shout out to Memphis, man. So per usual, our ADD kicked in. And I think I forgot the yes. topic, but I'm pretty sure we were discussing. <laughs> NBA expansions. Yeah, NBA expansions. So I was, so where would you want to see a team hypothetically, if you could? Well, DraftKings has a hypothetical odds on the next NBA expansion city. Super dope. Super dope. And you can, you can actually bet on this? Well, well technically, you, it's not on a site to bet on it. Our good friends at DraftKings came out with some realistic odds just in case. And I'm not mad at it. They're looking like geniuses on unbettable bets. So uh, <laughs> I'm rocking with that. I'm rocking with that. So I'll, I'll name these list of cities. Yep. Vegas being uh, having the highest odds, Vegas followed by Seattle, uh, Mexico City, Vancouver, Louisville, St. Louis, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Nashville, New Jersey, Tampa, San Diego, London made it, huh? Montreal, Cincinnati, and long longest odds on the list, Virginia Beach. Shit, well, I'm going to ask where Columbus ended up. Hypothetically, if, if they're doing 25,000 25, odds. And the top yeah, two were Las Vegas and Seattle, which were plus 120 and plus 180. And Mexico City was the next closest at plus 600. So it's a surefire. Mm-hmm. It looks like huh. a surefire thing that they're going to Las Vegas and Seattle. How do you feel about that? Well, let's start with, I want to, I want to, don't forget about Mexico City because they're they're yeah, a long, I'm it they're, too. Yeah. they're they're be a longer shot than those two, but yeah. But starting with Vegas, it, it just makes sense, you know, mm. with how uh, betting um, has become more. What's the proper word I'm looking for? You can stomach it, like you can stomach yeah, it's that cultural. vice. Yeah, yeah, sure. right. Yeah. It, it, it almost feels like the marijuana thing, right? Can yeah. can I say no, that? Def- 
No, for sure, nigga. Yeah, it's from the earth. Yeah, you can say all that. Boy, I was about to say one more thing. I'm like, bro, it's like. Vegas is the place we're seeing football. Football led the way. I give them credit. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing, but football is once a week. And so you can, you know, there's so many teams. There's only 18 games during the season. You know, you split up the games. with nine and nine, nine away, nine home. And so if you're the road team, Vegas is a tourist city. And you got a lot of tourism coming in for those football games. It's very similar to London. I was having a great conversation about London and the, and the, uh, the games the NFL is having over there in those different football arenas. And they're selling out. And it isn't particularly the fans having an affinity to one of the teams playing. Like, they're so spread out in terms of which teams fans root for yeah. globally in the NFL. Possibly yeah. in basketball, too. And so I think all that comes into place. But it's... We saw what it was doing for uh, football, the city of Las Vegas. And I think with the Aces success, uh, viewership going up for the W, attendance being at its highest levels in the finals yeah. for the W, it's an amazing thing to see. We have a lot of preseason games there now. I think those are all testing, you know, testing out those markets to see the energy. Yeah, Could that market... Yeah, you look at the Golden Knights. The hockey team got it jumping. Like hockey, people don't really watch they won a hockey like that. And five or six, like that got jumping. So like, I yeah. think the energy from there, there's something yeah. there that's gonna make people. You go see hockey. No disrespect, to hockey players. You go see hockey. You you gonna go watch a game. But the fan base too. I think that demographic in Vegas could have something to do with it as well. I mean, look at some of those casinos. Like you have a you have a casino for every different demographic. <laughs> and so I think there's like players, the yeah. Here's something that people don't know. Vegas is only like the 40th largest market in the country. Oh, I think, is it? Yeah. Because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> you in and you, you out. And so that would be interesting to see. Uh, Vegas looks like a short shot. They got that, uh, what they spent, I don't know, $6 billion. It's some astronomical yeah. number on the new arena and its surrounding area for an NBA team in arena. And now oh, wow. that kind of caught me off guard too because now I'm thinking – are there too many venues in Vegas? Because everyone has a large venue for large acts, for concerts. And you want to have, when you build a venue that large, yeah. you know, I just read something about Barclays, the arena in Brooklyn. Like, they're bleeding money. Like, they're losing money because of all the other stadiums that have been built around New York. You know, uh, the Islanders. Aren't yeah, playing you're no in Brooklyn anymore. to get that concert coming in, all that. Yeah, right. Because yeah, yeah, you got newer yeah. ones coming along. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're known not to do well with attendance in Brooklyn. Although it's Brooklyn's like top ten largest city in America. People don't know that. But why they, would they struggle with filling up the Barclays? And so, will there be an oversaturated market in Vegas in terms of arenas? You know, you, yeah. these are for profit organizations. Yeah, but, you know, as long as you get one person, obviously that's a big if. It'll be an expansion team. But if you build it, you get one person, somebody can fill the seats. You know what I mean? Like, we forget so much with that. But, like, a Victor pulled up to Vegas, he's filling a lot of seats, don't you think? Yeah, or make sure you line up the Vegas franchise with the top next yeah. prospect in the draft. That, that doesn't happen, people. All right. <laughs> LeBron ended up in Cleveland and D. Rose ended up in Chicago. And Wimbenyama ended up in the best organization possible for him to succeed. Moving on to our next city, Seattle. Man, I love Seattle. 
Yeah, shout out to Spencer Hawes, man. I'm looking. I, I would love to see Seattle get a team back. And I think Seattle's one of those cities where you can actually get free agents. Vegas is a city. You can free, Vegas, you can get free agents. Yeah, you can get free agents in Vegas. But Seattle, with the way we're moving as athletes in terms of on the business side, off the court, yeah. Seattle is going to rival Golden State and the Bay, you know, what the Bay has been able to get guys in. Now that I have an ownership stake in Bay FC, the National Women's Soccer League yeah. team, there's a player we're trying to get right now, and I've spoken to her and her team, and I'm selling them on the same thing. You know, like, this is our version of NIL, but the, the numbers are way bigger. You yeah, know? that's real. And so Who I think Seattle. No, it's not her. Trinity Rodman? It's not her. It's not her. Never mind. All right. Yeah, we got, some, we, got, we got something up our sleeves. But Seattle has those effects. But they, we was just been struggling with the arena the whole time. I feel like that was the whole holdup with them. But they well, renovated key, key Arena, yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to see if Vegas and Seattle just, just as a person who used to play uh, in Portland. So then you can move uh, teams like Memphis and Minneapolis, Minnesota. To the east. To the east, bro. Because uh. in Portland, then you get the division together. So now you got Vegas, Portland, uh, Seattle. Um, who yep. else is over there? Denver yep. and Utah. Yep. As opposed to it being like, Vegas, Utah, Denver. They're only two and a half hours away, but the altitude sucked. And then you're four hours, a.k.a. eight hours round trip to Minnesota and New Orleans, which is just terrible. And I feel as though if you get that division right, I feel like it'll, it'll make more sense. And I would love to see Minnesota in the East, too. I think that would even some things out as well, along with the, I feel like, with the Grizzlies as well. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Um, our, our next city, this is one of my favorite cities. And I only yeah. been, I've been there twice. Vancouver. Ooh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that would be like. And, and, and so it fits right along what you're saying in terms of, you know, location, travel, you know, division, uh, composition. But Vancouver, I felt like, you know, some tech companies, they say you can be 10 years too early. Yeah. And your idea doesn't work and you lose all this money and it's like it was a bad idea. Then 10 years later, someone else comes up with the exact same idea, the exact same go-to-market execution, and it works. I feel like Vancouver is one of those cities where it was too early. They weren't ready for it, but now they are. We talked about how many Canadian players are in an NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's another city guys will get access to and understand the ecosystem in the business world. There's 50 billionaires in the city of Vancouver. They got some amazing real estate. Beautiful. And even like with the Grizzlies, you say it was too early, but in a debut season, they averaged 17,000 fans as well. So like- Right, back then. There was a t- yeah, with Brian Reeves on them, but there, there was an yeah. appetite for it. I just think it was, clearly it's too premature, but to bring them back now and the city is filled up even more, I think that fan base would be crazy. Yeah, it could be good. It could be good. And then we've had a few preseason games there recently that had, yeah. did pretty well. I think, I think we played a preseason game there. Yeah, so did we. We the played there. I, yeah, I played there too. It's pretty crazy. I think you talk about trying to put another team in Canada. How do you, how do you think that would affect, you know, the, the, you know, Canada's basically all Toronto Raptor type vibe? How do you think that would affect, you know, you, you, you think uh, west side of uh, Canada would appreciate 
whatever. Who would it be? The Vancouver? Shit, who knows? <laughs> whatever they could be. Yeah. The Vancouver or would you, Glaciers. Or would know. you want to, or would it be more beneficial because you mentioned Vancouver, but I'm not mad at the Mexico City idea. Well, I, Me- you just you just sparked the thought in my mind. Because when you sit there now, the Mexico City, whoever it could be, could be the team of Mexico. And I yes. think when, and, and then we get the right type of, you know, fans and start expanding there, that even just looking at boxing, that market is everything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The Mexican market mm-hmm. is huge. We already play a lot of uh, games there. We have an NBA academy there. Uh, yeah, and then there's like nine million people in the city. That's the, in like, the city. that would be the yeah the most populated like American North American sports franchise. Right, right North now. American, yeah. the continent, yeah, North, right, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that would be crazy. Imagine and, what that would do for the game. Right, and I think the NBA has always been smart, and maybe that is a disadvantage for Vancouver, which is making Toronto the team of the country. And then you got a team in Mexico City. That's a team of the country of Mexico. or Yeah, the country of Mexico. Um, they already have a G League team, like you said. They said the, yeah. G League, the G League practice facility, the setup, is one of the nicer setups in all of the G League, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I just saw Juan Toscano Anderson. Shout out to him. Yeah, but, the, but what about the altitude? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The altitude is like two, what is it? What do they say? It's 7,350 feet. In the air, that's two thousand more than Denver. Denver is a cheat code, bro. You understand? <laughs> what I'm saying like, even when, when Denver's half good, I'm worried about whoever gets into a playoff series with them because that's a cheat code. The altitude is a cheat code, especially if you get some good players. And if you get the Mex- Mex- Mexican fans rowdy, that could be a crazy advantage. But in situations like this, when you bring up certain cities. Would the people like would the players be able to have like a say so and like be, saying like yo we don't want to go to Mexico City or we don't want teams to get this you know cities to get this team or that team you think there's some some behind the scenes like cheers for that or no? I, I would think yes. You know we got the competition committee within yeah. the union, the coaches and the NBA coming together with rule changes. How do we want the game to be played? That's a conversation I want to have with you as well, uh, especially with the game becoming more global. Is there's it's, it's very fragmented in terms of your transition from high school to college, college to the NBA, and it's it's no longer, you know, connected in the manner it used to be. And I think that's why we're seeing more international players have success early on in the league, and the American players are a little further behind, or it feels like they're catching up with us if we don't have our top, top, top talent. Um, so I think that's something that we we do have to fix. Uh, but I'm saying all that to say. Um, when you have a team in Mexico City as an expansion, I think it helps them because you're normally not as good coming out as an expansion team. But when you have altitude on your side, it makes for a a more balanced environment. Now, 15, 20 years in, it could be a competitive advantage in the regular season. But I think it makes for great basketball. And then, like you said, the, the population of Mexico, we're going to get into a TV deal. It's been yep. having a lot of conversations That's around the media rights. Uh, it's a whole country uh, that is huge into sports in terms of soccer and how important soccer is to them and then making basketball that next port that's very, very, very uh, like close to their vest with country and pride. Yeah. 
You want to know something I seen on a list? Um, they had Louisville up here, and actually DraftKings had their had them in like the top six odds. Now I've been in Louisville a couple. T- Listen, I've been in Louisville a couple times for the Derby. Right. So the KFC Yum Center is very, very like when you pull up to Louisville, you're like, damn, what is that? Because I would right. never guess. Besides the baseball bats, I would never guess I was there. And then you also have like uh, Dan Issel, NBA legend. He's trying mm-hmm. to be on a committee to raise it. He's, he's been about that for like four or five years. But one thing, like you said, with Vancouver is they have a decent amount of billionaires, but there's so much money there also in Kentucky. And also, like, it's not saying it's only $2.5 billion, but I think with Louisville, if they had a spot to really set up, I'm not arguing for them, but it made me want to say, like, okay, if they have Louisville on the list, I really believe Columbus, Ohio could be a real city for an NBA team. Okay. I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but go ahead. I want you to finish. All right, cool. All right, one. For one downtown, we already have like the Blue Jackets. So we had a Blue Jackets Columbus crew. So those are two pretty big teams. We have capacity downtown. So the arena at Nationwide fits like 21,000 people. We have, uh, I believe we have a decent amount of money in the area as well. So we have the Schottenstein family. Uh, we have the Wexner family. So that's Wexner, that's a limited two brand. We have Ohio State, one of the biggest institutions in the world along with 60,000 plus students. And then I just feel like the downtown area is a walkable area. It's somewhat similar to how the Indiana Pacers have set up their arenas. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would make for like a better, a better environment. I think it's really doable to be completely honest with you. All right, I'm sorry to break this down. Tell in me. Such, in such a simple explanation. Tell me, I got to hear. It's the same reason why Austin will never get a professional basketball team. It's the same reason why Louisville will never get a professional basketball team. It's the same reason why Columbus will never get a professional basketball team. Why not? Because those cities rely so heavily, or I shouldn't say rely, they are controlled by the universities that have such a large footprint on sports, whether it be basketball or football. And I learned this while I spent some time in Austin. And yeah, they were mad at you for saying Memphis moved to Nashville. I always, I was into thinking that was San Antonio served better in Austin. And we're just thinking of, we just turning our business hats. We're putting yeah, our business hats yeah, on. Yeah, Everywhere, everyone's yeah. saying, you, you're, 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 I don't like, I'm trying not to curse, but shitting on a particular city. And it's not that. The same way the governors you can't have of your, NBA your teams. Arena in the parking lot. That's all I'm saying. But keep going. Yeah. Right. I'm saying I'm saying the same thing you're know. saying. They yeah. they get on us, you know, as players when we say, Well, you mean to tell me the owners can think of this manner, but we can't? That's what we're saying when we're saying, okay, this city would be financially healthier or produce higher profits and earnings in another city. That's all we're saying. Yeah. But that's why Austin would never get an NBA team, which is like Louisville the same way. Louisville was one, it's like top five yearly, year in, year out, regardless of the team success or the record in terms of uh, basketball revenue that's brought to the university, which is brought to the city, brought to jobs, so on and so forth. Yeah. You, bring in, you bring in another, like, why haven't we had a successful college basketball team in the city of New York? Like, it's crazy. You can say L.A. kind of. L.A. is the same, but there's, those are so big that yeah, it can exist. Yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah. the city of Chicago is on the list adding a second basketball team. 
yeah. it could work because the city's that big. But in cities, th- those those Bible Belt cities, especially, which I'm, I'm that's one yeah. of my phobias and fears in life is below that Bible Belt line. Um, but that's why Columbus, Louisville always struggle, and this is why I would pick a city like Kansas City over them actually. Okay. You know, that that would be my thinking. And so sorry that Columbus will never get an NBA team. And neither will Louisville, and neither will Austin. This preview was brought to you by DraftKings. Point forward. And without further ado, we have a very special guest coming back onto Point Forward Podcast. He was with us before. Jay-Z had his 444. I feel like this is our version of 333. This is the third episode of season three with number three. That's all right. I like that. I hope some good luck comes from that type of shit. Y'all welcome Dwayne Wade. Today we have a special guest, a repeat offender. And when I say that, um, I also speak to his mean pump fake, but it only applies on the court in this instance. He promises he will be back for season two. Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness have come together for the ultimate drop, a limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together, like Evan and myself. Hey, man, man. Remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm-hmm. I think it was like 08. I was finishing up my freshman year, and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes, my extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast-forwarded to be each other's teammates. Mm-hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. And you, you Brian blocked my shot before That Brian. was a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like thinking something, like talking to my agent. Like, bro, you just said I was better than this <laughs> Look, on the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game. The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US on Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. So he didn't pump fake us. We appreciate that, especially with everything that he has going on. Uh, it's just a, a blessing to have another conversation with, with him because of all the other things that he's been just killing it at. You know, not only is he attempting to do some new things, but he's succeeding in attempting those new things. Y'all welcome back. He has so many names now. Um, I actually yeah. saw your. I saw you were a question on a game show that I just recently saw with uh, DC oh, Young Fly. DC <laughs> Young Fly. The celebrity was, squares. It, yeah, I never saw that, and it was just rattling me on. And uh, the guy was asked, "Was your nickname the Flash or Iron Man?" 
He said Iron Man. He absolutely got it wrong, meaning he didn't watch basketball. But you are now known as Renaissance Man, the Renaissance Man. And we want to welcome you back to uh, another episode of Point Four. So we appreciate Mr. Dwayne Wade from Robinson, Illinois, joining us. He said for Rob- from Robbins. 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 I, say, I, used to, I used to say Illinois with an S, and they made fun of me. So I'm still oh, struggling I with butchered, the cities as well. I still butcher Illinois. <laughs> I think I butchered it in my Hall of Fame speech. I, I, I just said how we grew up saying it. Like, I say Illinois. And like, yes. I just butchered it. And, but everybody back at the crib was probably like, <laughs> but uh, man, thanks for welcoming me back, man. I, I, I just want to start off. I said, I really, really love, I'm a fan of, of obviously you guys as individual people, but watching you two together, man, that's that peanut butter and jelly right there, man. Y'all just, y'all go together very well. I love the conversations that y'all have, man. They so, they so broad and, and they're needed, especially for us athletes, man. So we appreciate you guys for this platform and thanks for having me on again. No, Thank thanks you. for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming back. I know I saw you uh, in Paris not too long yeah. ago, and uh, I remember one thing that you know kind of stuck in our mind when we interviewed you last time was like, "Yo, you had such a good time," but you're like, "Yo, I want to talk business more." Yeah. And I think uh, you know one thing that occurred was like, uh, you know, trying to get you back on, but you know, also highlighting you know the transition of uh, you know athletes from athletes to businessmen and you know regular regular people in this world. And um, I remember I was at a gala last week and a woman from Facebook came up and was like, oh, you must be the athlete. And I was like, well, I haven't been an athlete in like three years and people remind me that I'm no longer an athlete. And I'm, you know, I'm literally trying to sit here and transition and make it. And um, in this situation, it seems like you're making it because, you know, since you bought the Utah Jazz, they're up 30%, correct? Since I invested. Since you invested, my fault. Yeah. You're, you're, and you're a humble yeah. individual. So, you know, um, <laughs> No, so definitely. I'm glad to have you on. I uh, I invested in it, um, but uh, yeah, man. You know what, Ed? We I think we try so so hard to get away from the athlete, mm-hmm. and we spent our whole life trying to become the best athlete that we can. And mm-hmm. when we try to walk into a different room in a different arena, we want to get rid of that because we want to be seen more than right. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a journey that we all gonna have to go down. But I'm in this space now where I'm like, am I trying to run away from what I've worked my ass off mm. to become for people to respect me when I walk in the room? Because if you know an athlete, if you know a great athlete, if you know someone who's been through what we've been through, actually you should have more respect when you walk in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we go through. So, you know what? I'm not shedding the athlete no more, man. I've been trying to. I've been like, nah, I'm a business. Now, nah, you know what? If you if you want to position me and call me an athlete, I am that, and I'm also this. So let's talk about what I am now as well. But um, let's not run away from it, man. We worked our tail off to to be to be noticed and to be recognized as one of the great as as, as a part of being great athletes. So that's been my trying to retrain my thoughts. So I'm I'm new to this as well. You know, just retiring. Uh, you're four years yes, out. Yes, sir. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes. But you're four years out. And so how would you, you know, you, you self-proclaim yourself as the, the renaissance man, which we we know well about, you know, all the things that you're doing on the business side, uh, the philanthropic side. Uh, we're going to dig into that. But what does renaissance man mean to you? And that's just, you know, someone who can not who's great at everything, you know, obviously, but someone who who does everything. Who does it all you know what i mean in a sense you just you just kind of bring it together and be like that's a renaissance man you know someone who is multi-talented 
in, in, in a lot of different areas and a lot of different conversations who can walk in any room and have a conversation with anybody because of, you know, your, you know, because of your multi, you know, talentedness that people might not know about. You know, I think for me, like you said, Ed, when we walk in the room, it's immediately, it's immediately, he's an athlete, yeah. but then we're going to sit down. And um, if you, if you want to talk about wine, then let's talk about wine. Um, if you want to talk about investing, you want to talk about ownership, you want to talk about these things, let's do that. You want to talk about sneakers. So like, you want to talk about photographs? Like I'm, I'm in this point now where I just went to the dark room the other day. Now I can talk to people about film, the film room, like going back to like mm -hmm. film, you make mm -hmm. film. So I think a Renaissance man is just not allowing yourself to be stuck in one place and continue to open your mind and continue to educate yourself on making sure that there's no conversation in a room that you can't have. And if you can't have it because you haven't experienced it, then go learn it. So the next time that comes up in the room again, now you can be a part of that conversation. That's real. So at what point, I know you said earlier that you didn't, you know, you, you have no, you don't mind being an athlete and being recognized as an athlete, but when you, on your path to becoming a Renaissance man, at what point did you stop looking at yourself as D-Wade the superstar and started to make the progression off the court? At what year in the league was that? Because you won a championship pretty early on and I understand the uh, trials and tribulations of, uh, you know, being a superstar and the obligations that come with it. When, when did you start breaking off and saying, yo, I need to focus on something different? Um, I think I started focusing on different when the injury started to hit. You know, ah. we all know, when you start playing, when you play this game and you have an injuries after injuries, um, as confident as we are, uh, we we lack some confidence too. Am I yeah. going to get back to that level? You know, mm -hmm. am I going to be perceived as this? But also too, it gives you time to see other things and understand that, oh wait, basketball is not everything. Because to get to where we all got to, basketball had to be everything at one point in our life. And so for me, man, I, for my first time where I started thinking that way was my injuries that I had uh, in 2007 when I had shoulder surgery and I had my left knee surgery at the same time. I didn't think, I didn't know if I would get back to form. And so I started thinking like with my career ended today, what do I have to show for it? And that started my journey to, hey, all right, what does it look like to build a team? I, I started asking questions. I started being like, hey, we don't, I don't have enough. And I ain't talking about enough money. I don't have enough um, to continue my, like I'm 20 some years old and I know I'm supposed to live a long time. So I need to know more. I need to learn more. I need people around me that can help me uh, understand what I don't understand, kind of all of these things. So I was, I was young then at 2007. I was 25 years old when I started changing my mindset. So I got a question about that specifically. They, we always talk about time management as athletes. As soon as we come into the league, they tell us we have, uh, we'll have a bunch of time on our hands. Right. And then you talk about once you get injured, you have more time on your hands outside of rehab and how you use that time to start thinking about other things. Now that you're retired, can you give folks a glimpse of what it's like to be an athlete with a lot of time on your hands, with a lot of money versus now being a retired player you still got the same things in place. You just don't have that basketball piece. So how do you replace that? And then how's your mental and how has it progressed as you've gotten older and matured more? Yeah, man, that's, that's a great question because it's some days where I have all the time in the world. I'm like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fill my time up. You know what I mean? And then it's some days where you don't. And, and it, it's, it's tough because it's a part of me, like I'm involved in a lot of different things. Right. And, and they tell you, to do that, right? And we want to do it because we want to stay busy. We don't, we, we used to being busy. And so you want to be involved in all these different things. You want to make sure that, that if I can win over here or I can win over here, I can win over here. But in the midst of that, I'm also learning too. I'm also learning that 
uh, I don't know if that's a good thing because I'm not focused on just one thing. You know, when mm -hmm. I be when I was becoming a basketball player, I was just focused on one thing and becoming great at that. And I became great at that. Now my attention is all over the place. And so I think the, the biggest thing is uh, when you are a former athlete or you're someone who's entering business is to understand that you're starting at the bottom of it, right? You may come in with some business deals that you did. You may come in with some relationships that you built. But when it comes from the knowledge, unless you went to school for this or you've been living this, you come from the bottom when it comes to actually knowing business and knowing all the things around business. And so for me, it's just really like going, being in school, but doing it in real life. I always try to tell young guys that uh, use your celebrity to try to gain access. When you first yeah. start looking for, uh, you know, knowledge and insight, did you use anybody that was sitting courtside, you know, at the arena? Did you use anybody, you know, that had crazy connections to the team? Like, how did you start opening up that access in order to let people know that you're interested? I know when you first got injured, you went to the Harvard Business School, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I did. So, I've all, exactly, man, you just said it. I've always done things like that. Like, you know, it's. It's tough to say um, I use people on the court side because we don't know who to trust when we're athletes, man. We, you know, yeah. come in yeah, that's real. That we know they like, oh, this such and such owns this. He got this. They got that. And I was always like, yeah, OK, well, I'm here to play basketball. I ain't really trying to build too many relationships because I don't I don't have enough time to build it so I can trust these individuals. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't I didn't I don't have too many relationships from people that set courtside at our games. Now, what I have done along the way is I have have some business partners. I, ha I do have people who I do trust that have introduced me to people because if I trust you and you introduce me to them, then now I give them a chance. So mm -hmm. I've kind of done that. But Ryan Smith was my first. Um, uh, Andre, you know him yep. very well. Uh, Ryan was the first person that um, kind of walked me into certain doors. And, you know, and I said, I want to learn about tech. Well, he, he took me to these tech conferences. We sat on stage together. We walked through. I met everybody and all the I know all the things that's coming out for the next five years because we said and met everyone. And so really finding someone you trust that's in business that can and that is willing because everyone is not willing. And with Ryan, what have you learned from where, uh, you know, you can have tons of deals and as athletes, everything's getting pitched to us tons of times. How do you recognize a good deal? I think that's one thing that gets lost in the sauce. We all say we own this and we have equity in this and we do this and a third, but it's like you could be owning half of a, a bag of doo-doo. You know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> 100% of nothing is nothing. Yeah. Like, right? Yes. Right. What's 15% of zero? Like, oh, so. You don't know you got a good deal. Like you got, so what's your, like, I think sometime, first of all, when you come into a deal, what is your goal in this deal? It, you know, mm -hmm. if it's, is it money? Is it access? Is it education? Like coming into it and understanding what sh what is it that you're looking for from this deal? That's what's going to make it a good deal. If you come into every deal saying it's just money, then it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of deals that ain't going to be good because you're not going to make money on all these deals, right? Like it doesn't happen. And so, first of all, identifying the reason. Every deal I go into, man, I, and I don't want to say this because everybody like, yeah, you you want to make money, and of course we do. But certain deals I go into is to get access, is to yeah. be educated. It's to be in a room where I've never been before and I may not get. So let me let me pay to play, like whatever the case may be. And so you got to find out what it is. And so for me, like, let's just take the uh, WNBA, mm -hmm. being, a, being an investor in the NBA and got opportunity. And I, I got my towel right here represent. OK, there we go. <laughs> um, I got an opportunity to invest into the Chicago Sky, the WNBA. Well, the first person I went to was Ryan. Hey, this is an opportunity that's come to me. 
Uh, what do you think about the WNBA? Uh, you know, what do you think about me being involved? So forth and so on. And I and I I listened to him. Um, I took you know everything that he told me, and I kind of you know uh, took it in, into my own thought process. I took it back to my team. Hey, this is this is what my business partner is saying about this opportunity. Let's look at it this way. So he just helped me even think about my investment into the WNBA and and how to look at it. And and so it's just asking those questions, right? For people that from people that you trust, that's gonna give you straight answers. So I wanna bring up something that you said came from just being in the league and using your connections and network and how you've uh, changed the way you brought out your wine, right? And so you've got an a, a amazing rollout on how you rolled out the wine Talk to us about how you got into it, because I know you spoke about, you know, the there's been a, you know, understanding your family issues with alcohol in the past. You never were into it as an athlete. You know, we tend to stay away from us, especially us, you know, the fit guys that got to run around crazy. You know, you're always looking for your edge, so you stay away from that. But you saw this as a business play, but also once you learn more about it, you become a, you know, you acquire that special taste and those notes. Yeah. So tell us about how you got to wine and then how you turned that into a business. Um, yeah, I, so my first probably real drink that I would say was probably at like 28 years old. When I first came in the league, drinking wasn't even, so, like my whole life, it wasn't even the focus of mine. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it was, was because of the, the community that I grew up in. Yep, yep. And, and you know, when it came to drugs, any any form of drugs, however you want to look at it, besides those pills that I end up taking toward all, but any forms of drugs or or alcohol, I wasn't into it because I saw what it did to people that I love. And, you know, I was really goal focused and I wanted to accomplish something. And then, you know, after accomplishing something and being around and, you know, living a nightlife in Miami and having veteran guys like Alonzo and, you know, GP and Shaq and being around all those guys, you know, I eventually, you know, started to be like, okay. I can, I can see how I can enjoy this. And so I, I slowly got into wine. And in, in the midst of that, I uh, it became a passion. It became something that you guys know. We go to Napa Valley. You know, mm -hmm. we some guys travel to, to Burgundy, France. Like we, we have these capabilities because of who we are to be able to, to go and, and drink some of the best wines. And we get a chance to, to meet some of the best winemakers in the world. And so my passion started from there. And I was, and then uh, I, I sparked up a, a business deal to kind of just do one wine. Like, hey, let's just do one. And then I liked it and I stayed in it. And now I've been in it nine years. And in the midst of being in it nine years, I realized in year nine, I got so much further to go to, to learn, you know, what I need to learn in this industry. If I, if I could do it all over again, I would come into it way different than I did the first time. I would come into a 100% the owner mm -hmm. of, of anything that I do. But I was coming in looking for a partner because I'm like, hey, I don't know this space. I need some, to partner with somebody that can help me navigate through this world. And that wasn't a bad thing. But now going into my 10th year, I'm like, man, I want the ball in my hand a little bit more. Yeah. I want to make a little bit more decisions that, you know, when you have partners that you can't make 100% of the decisions. And so it's a lot of things, man, that I, that I would love to sit down with, especially when it comes to athletes that are trying to get into certain things and just giving them different ways to look at, to look at how they went into it. I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul, hopefully. But the way I got in it, I would do it different now. I just kind of jumped in it mm -hmm. um, because I was, I was, I was passionate about it. And it's been great. I've seen Melo now, you know, he, we had the same, we had Aspen Food and Wine. I see CJ. Mm -hmm. We had asked me food and wine. I see CP, who's an investor, into. we had asked me food and wine. So I see it growing within athletes, and I'm proud to be sitting at that table. But I also know that it's so much that we need to learn from the business side if we want to be successful in wine that we don't know. 
And so mm-hmm. that's the process now for me is to learn how to the next 10 years, how is Wade Sellers going to get to the point where we on the radar at all when it comes to really making a big impact in the wine industry. And I, I want to just give a sh- I want to give a shout out real quick, ET, to uh, CJ. He has a uh, McCollum Heritage 91. Um, and then a big shout out to Shannon Fry, who's like my brother yeah. from Arizona. Uh, he has cho- chosen family wine. So I want to get him a huge shout out. Go ahead, ET. Yeah, bro. Well, you're saying something about learning. I know one thing that occurred that's super important to you. You said we, like in our culture, we usually have hard liquor and vodka, you know, forced mm-hmm. upon us. So we oftentimes get a negative, negative, uh, you know, response in regards to alcohol. And I was yeah. trying to, I, I comprehend that you joined a UC Board of Leadership to try to uh, educate more people in a circle like us, as well as, uh, you know, diversify the, that type of uh, culture. How, how did you get into that and talk to us about, you know, joining Leadership Board and uh, at UC Davis, their most uh, premier wine program? Mm. Yeah, bro. Just really a thirst for knowledge. And once again, using, you know, my name, using my celebrity, using my position to to get that knowledge. And I, I you probably hear me keep saying it. And I am literally a 41-year-old student in the world. And I'm definitely a student in the businesses that I'm a part of, but I'm also a student in the ones that I'm not, right? Other things that I'm interested in, whether it's art, whatever it is, I'm, I'm becoming a student in all these areas. And so getting a chance to sit on the board of UC Davis uh, is to get a chance to to be in a room once again where it happens. And, and then we go into a, another sector that you, you you jumped into, you know, talk about the media landscape and 59th and Prairie Entertainment. Um, talk to us how that came about. Um, you had the Redeem team where you were a producer on that and that is a Netflix deal, which is a huge deal. Then Warner Brothers and Bleacher Report and how you done your deals with that. How, how have you thought about the media landscape distribution, you know, owning, um, you know, owning your likeness and then what different types of projects you've been wanting to put out and how you partner with other people in the projects that you put out? Yeah, man, it's, um, it's, you know, I think it's a lot of us, a lot of, especially a lot of athletes who we're storytellers, first of yes. all, you know what I mean? Like we are storytellers and, you know, to be, I, I said this recently talking to my brother Melo, to be able to come out of certain communities that we come out of, we had to create stories in our mind. We had to, we had to create that, that, that dream and that visual in our mind. We talk, we became storytellers way before um, we got production companies. And so um, I love, I love telling stories and I love being a part of telling stories. And so starting 59th in Prairie, giving a nod back to where I grew up in Chicago. Uh, it's all about that. It's about highlighting stories, man. Um, it's about telling the, the stories that I want to tell and that I feel like, you know, other people want to hear and listen to. It's a very tough industry. It's very competitive, as we know. Um, and so to be able to get wins like the Redeem team, to be able to be a executive producer on The Cube, which I, you know, was a host as well, to be able to get these wins, it helps. But it's hard to get, you know, these scripts passed and get it on TV, you know, and get and if you get it on TV to 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 have it continue to stay on there. Right. Um, so I give so much credit to, you know, you know, the Easter rays of the world, the, the individuals who are who are doing it at the level and the scale that they're doing it at. We only can hope to do it. So right now we're, we are we're partnering with individuals. We're highlighting other stories. Um, and in the midst of that, we're getting wins. And so I, I got to get up a lot of love to John Marcus, who is my partner in this. Um, at 59th and Prairie, because every day this is what he do. He eats, sleeps, you know, and breathes, you know, trying to make sure that 59th can highlight the stories that is a part of our ethos. And that's some stories that you never heard. That's sports stories like the Redeem Team and other stories, yes. um, so forth and so on. It's families that look unconventional, 
<laughs> um, all the things that I embody and that he embody, mm -hmm. we try to highlight these stories because we know we're not the only ones who who want to hear these stories and want to see these stories. And it's and it's inspiring. It's so inspiring. Sorry, ET, but like yeah, no worry. Watching that stuff is, you know, like I send that stuff to my young boys, my rookies. Man, yeah. watch. Make sure you watching the last dance. Go watch the Redeem team. Go watch this. And I'm not doing it thinking I got to support D-Wade. I'm doing it because you made a great body of work. Like, you're an artist. And it's such, I just want to just say that, man. Like, it's such a beautiful thing to see. And, like, the unconventional family. And how how do me on the outside looking in, how do I approach it? How should I be thinking about it? So I, I do want to just thank you for that. Like, you've changed the way I think on a lot of different topics, whether it's basketball, life, business, all those things. And that's inspiring for us to keep doing for one another. So I appreciate that. Man, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I think one of the most important things for us is as you're going, I'm going, I'm in the, in this journey. So my, mm -hmm. my wins, I, and I, and I take the small wins and I celebrate the small wins as well, but my wins are small, but how do we know if no one shares with us? You know, we have a lot of people who are successful uh, that maybe we know what we look up to, but if they're not sharing with us how they become successful then it's no, you know, then it's, it's going to take us 10 years before we learn something we could have learned in year one if we had a, you know, a different kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, orbit of people that, that want to see us continue to win. And so for me, man, all I've tried to do along this journey is, is show those wins and show those, you know, those different success moments um, and also tell. Like right now, like it's people here that's way more successful than, than I am, but I'm willing to talk about this journey before I become the success that I want to be. Um, because we need to know, we need to know, like, what's the steps, you know what I mean? We understand that all these steps ain't going to be, we, it ain't going to be a championship every time that sometimes you're going to have to go here to go all the way back just to get back there. And so <clears throat> it's important, man. And that's why I said what you guys are doing, the platform that y'all have, y'all getting people to tell stories, y'all getting people to tell what's the journey, how the journey is, because people are listening and we need to hear that. If we don't know, then we don't know. That's true. I want to move on to something different because obviously we, we want to keep pitching you as a renaissance man. And recently your wife and you won, uh, what was it, the President's Award uh, at the NAACP oh. uh, yeah. uh, yes, 2023 Award um, for your philanthropic work. So when it comes down to that, it's always so crazy. We're talking about everything as a businessman. Have you been able to squeeze in that time? And also make a, a big splash in that sense. There's a lot of people that show up when it's, it's good for them, but you constantly show up for that battle day in and day out. Uh, where does that come from? What does it mean for you to win that award? Um, well, I mean, it's, a, it's an honor, obviously, right? Like, you know, the, the individuals who have been chosen to, to represent that award. Um, I mean, you can ask anybody, if you know anybody that's around me, you can ask them. I did not want to accept the award because I didn't feel that I deserved the award you know, just being honest. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, people say, oh, he's been humble. You know, I feel like it's so much more that, you know, to do. Um, and when you start accepting the wars and, you know, it puts you there like, oh, look, yeah, he's doing it. And he, and I, and I have so much more to do. And it's a lot of things that I do that I don't even want to be publicized. I don't want people to know because I don't do things just for that. But also mm -hmm. to understand what standing in place looks like at the same time. And I knew. Hey there, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast. And yes, we are in the thick of the college hoop season. Our pod runs at least three times a week and covers everything you need to know. From the power conference team to the mid-majors, the scoops, the stories, game predictions, previews, huge recaps, everything. We cover it all. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your pods.
dude that had been on that stage and standing in place for multiple communities was important. Um, to to see a black man, to see a black father, um, my wife is a black woman, to see us standing on that stage accepting that award and, and saying the things that we were saying, that moment was important more so than the, the actual award. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, I definitely understand, man. I've been able to, because of the experiences of life, I've been able to experience a lot of different communities, a lot of different cultures that a lot of people that are from our community uh, that we didn't grow up, we didn't grow up knowing about and definitely accepting. And so for me, man, sometimes just standing in a place, um, you know, and taking all the hits that I take, you know, what I mean, taking all these it's, it's it has to be bigger than you. It can't just be about you. It has to be about moving things forward. Mm -hmm. And so everything I try to do when it comes to, you know, philanthropic, you know, um, is just moving things forward. Um, even if I got to take the hits and, you know, from, you know, from what other people say, the conversations, the the lives that you can change by opening your mouth and sharing certain things, um, you know, is important. And we need that. And so I, I, we try to do that. Yeah. You mentioned moving things forward. And even though you take a hit recently, you picked up and moved from Florida where, you know, Dade County was quote unquote Wade County in order to move to California. Uh yeah. You know, in respect to protect your, you know, your family and your rights and, you know, all the craziness that's occurring in Florida. Uh, talk about that. How tough was that? And I guess like since you retired, who would have thought coming from the South Side and, you know, just trying to be an NBA star, you're catapulted into all these real life issues where you have to take a stand on. It's yeah. uh, not only uh, impressive, but it's admirable because some people would, you know, fall away from it and be like, it's not my problem. And I right. don't want to deal with this and be upset and, you know, continue to say, no, I'm D-Wade in this sense and not elevate and take on more fights. Yeah, man, I, you know, I, I just speak on what has been presented to me in, in my life. I don't speak on everything because I'm not knowledgeable on everything. Yeah. I'm the person who's going to speak out now not being as knowledgeable on something. Um, and so when it comes to my family, I'm knowledgeable on that. I know my family. Everybody out there may think they know them, but I know them, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, when it came down to just thinking about my, my children, and, you know, and where I felt that they was going to be able to beat them best selves and be able to succeed. Um, you know, I looked at my daughter, Zaya, as my son, Zaire, was like a junior already once I retired. And so he was pretty much cooked. But I looked at my next child, which was Zaya, who was in seventh grade. And we just realized that the community that she needed, um, it was not in Florida. You know, yeah. unfortunately, it wasn't there. And even though we tried to force it, we went up to the schools, we tried to talk about, hey, do you guys have a community? Um, do you guys have a queer community? What are y'all doing with the queer community? How are they activated? How? And it wasn't really a lot of it. And so from there, we started to say, okay, we have to find a community that uh, that Zaya, that our daughter can succeed in, that she can yeah. become what she's becoming today in. And California was that for our family. And when we when we decided to move out, now you get even more things that's coming out um, from. And I don't, you know, I don't like to get in. I tell people all the time, like our politics. Like I'm a, like I politic, but I'm not a politician. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying yeah, to be a politician. And people think because you speak out on issues and because you know you can speak well that you want that you should be a politician. That's not something that you know I'm trying to do. But I know how to politic very well, right? At the same time, it's like politicking without without being a politician. But in the midst of it, I'm a protector of my family and you know the safety of my daughter, um, the the community for my daughter. California had that community for her. And that's why we, you know, decided to move west and decided to pay a lot of taxes when I didn't pay any taxes <laughs> at all throughout my NBA career, because it was about, you know, my child, you know, reaching they hit her. you in the head. 
oh, it's hitting me in the head. Like, this, y'all can't even see. This is my bedroom, my closet. No, just- <laughs> 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 uh, but it had to be like once again. If you got if you're doing something and it's about you, then it's only gonna be so much you're gonna be able to accomplish. But if it's bigger than you, um, you know, it, you know, listen, you're a champion. You know what I'm talking about. When you when you do something in life that it's it's not about you and it's bigger than you, the amazing things that you can accomplish that you will see this like I see my daughter shining in a way, and I ain't talking about shining in where the public know. I'm talking about individually shining, walking with her chest out with a head up with the confidence that I want my child to walk through this world with. And a lot of it is because of the change of scenery. And so if I got to, you know, take a step back and give up Wade County and, you know, let it, let it be Butler Block or whatever the hell, I don't know what, what <laughs> Butler Block. I don't know. Um, that ego is not big enough, you know, for that, man. It's, it, it is ultimately about, you know, making sure that, you know, hopefully the ones that I love are in the in a place where they can become their best selves. Like I'm trying to become my best self as well. Yeah. So as a parent, um, especially a retired parent, which I'm I'm new to this and I didn't got uh, chewed out a few times. How you find that balance on one hand? Like, you know, you got so much going on. You got days where you might not have nothing, anything to do that day. You want to fill it up. But those days they're too filled up. It's like, oh, I haven't spoken to my kids today, but understanding, because the male ego can get in the way in terms of I'm providing, I'm providing, I'm providing, but at the same time, it's like your presence is key with your children as well. So in terms of being a renaissance man, how does parenting play in that role in that? And how do you look at succeeding as a parent? Because we still don't know everything. Like every day as a parent is, is, is a learning experience. Yeah, bro. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to know if we, if we succeeded today about in their 40s. That's when you get to see, like, how did I do? <laughs> My parents are now like, oh, OK, we did all right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I think one for me, what I've tried to do is I've tried to be realistic. I'm not trying to be unrealistic and say, hey, I'm going to be at everything. And I'm like, that's not my journey. Like, I'm still trying to build business. I'm the first in my family to bring in this this kind of these kind of resources. And so it don't just stop because I retired. I have to continue to keep going. So that means I'm going to have less time with everyone. Right. And so I'm realistic with that. But what I do do, man, is I spend when I do have time, when I do carve out the time, the the moments, the quality of time that I spend with my with my mom and my dad and my kids are so important. And so like, I, I, just, I always say date, like I date my kids. I date my, like I date my people. I, I make sure that I go into, okay, what is it that they want to do? What is it that they like? Or what do I want to expose them to? Like, is is like, I don't just do it. My time, I ain't just spending time. I'm spending quality time and important time with all my people. Um, and they feel that, they feel that it's organic. They feel that it's real. It's not just me just, hey, uh, I'm, I'm here for a little while and now I'm going just to show face. Right. So, man, I spend time, man, like tomorrow morning, uh, like I want to get up and I want to I want to do yoga in the morning. Right. Real early. But I also want to make sure I'm at drop off for my daughter who, you know, who's, you know, who's kindergarten. And I also want to make sure that I'm I'm at lunch with my son who's 10 years old. But I also want to make sure I get to the gym with that. Like I got all these things I want to do. And so for, it's for me to carve out the time. And like when I get done with this, I'm about to carve out a time and we're about to go make some food for my mom and spend that time with her. So I just try to find these things that I know is important for them. And when I have that time, that's where I'm spending it. I'm spending it on something that I know is important to you, 
um, or I'm just sitting there listening to you like, like Zaya. I'm going to listen to her because she's going to educate me. She's going to give me so much. And so I sit in there with my little black book, which is up here, and I listen to her speak and talk about her life in high school and all these things. So, man, it's just really quality time, making sure that, you you know, you're doing it. Um, and you putting that, you putting those quality moments, you putting these these moments together that for them is going to make the the picture that they want. And so I'm all about moments and they can't have me at hundred percent because if they do, you're going to lose yourself. But when they do have me, I'm, they got me and I'm going to give them everything I have from attention and from love and from experiences and all these things. But I'm going to be on, I'm going to be realistic also and say, I'm not going to be at everything. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be, you know what I'm saying? Like I, my, my fatherhood is not going to look like that person's fatherhood or that person's fatherhood, but this is how I show up. And ultimately that's all, that's what's important for me is that I show up and I show up whether my son's playing in Africa, whether my, my daughter has a recital and I've just got back from Africa, wherever it is, I show up. And so that's what's important for me. As, 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 as my son just FaceTime me, that boy crazy. Little Dre's a man. Uh, you talk about investing in your kids and spending time with your kids and everybody sees that way different. But um, we joked earlier and Kavia has, uh, already has a soccer team in her name along with, uh, I don't know if she's part owner or proudly, but you also look at uh, things that you did with Zaire where it came down to making sure he had the right situation for basketball and the same same way with Zaya. Talk about how important it is to not only create opportunities, but also pass them off to your family. I still love the Moo Anoint opportunity that your dad had, that commercial, like, 20 years ago. <laughs> Nothing yeah. Moo Anoint, eh? No, but, no, but it was lit. I'm like, oh, damn. Like, he turned up. Like, I, I was sitting there like, man, good for Mr. Wade. Like, he was a real star. And, um, you know, you, you hear certain people, you even listen to Shaq, and he might be like, yo, I make my kids go earn everything they have or – they can't buy this or they can't get that. And we all, and Dre and I talk about what level it is to to give to your children and when it's too much of a spoil. But I think it's also like very important to providing and give access. Can you talk about the steps you take in regards as a parent to not spoil them too much, but to also make sure they're good? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of just not spoiling or over. Like I don't, like I said, I find out, you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. But one thing I do know is what I, what I bring to the table from the time away from my family, um, yeah. often building, you know, every, you know, the things that we do have is I, I bring resources to the table, right? Like mm-hmm. all resources because of those things. And so I want my kids to tap into our resources. I don't, I don't want to do everything for you, but I want you to understand everything that you have an opportunity to be a part of and do. And all these individuals that you have an opportunity to reach out to, ask questions to, Higgle all your resources. And that's the one thing in our community that we lack. We lack resources. And so mm-hmm. our kids, the blessing, and I, I try to tell them, don't run away from it. Don't run away from how hard I work to make sure that we have this some as simple as resources that is not simple in our community. And so in the midst of that, it's certain things that we feel that, you know what, this is something that, you know, we want to get Cobb into. We want to get Zaire into, you know, and just knowing your kids. And so for me, Zaire is Zaire is the CEO of, of all this for me. You know, I'm 41 right now. I look at Zaire, I'm like, hey, by the time I'm 55, you're going to be 35. It's Come on, CEO, it's going to be time for you to run the show. That's right. Um, and so along the way, I got to take him with me. You need to learn business. You got to be in some of these meetings. You got to be on some of these calls. You got to travel to China with me. You got to see how this stuff works. He know because- how much them uh, alcohol costs, though. <laughs> Look, <laughs> he, he know more than me. He like this is supposed to be. 
you know what I mean? And so it's like, it's really like educating and taking them with you. And so they can understand, you know, certain things. And, you know, my, uh, Zaire is a student. Zaya is a student. Like I'm, I'm watching her in, in Paris and at the fashion shows. And I'm watching her in these rooms, sitting with Miss Prada and doing all this. And, but I'm watching her also learn and clock everything and ask questions or be quiet enough, you know what I mean? To, to listen to everything. And so I just want to put them in certain situations to see how they're going to respond to it, to see what they get from it. Um, because we don't get in those rooms often. And so it's my duty and my job to make sure that my kids, all of them, at least have a seat at some tables. Um, and from there, hopefully they grow, whether they grow the Wade brand or, you know, they're, they come up and create something else that we have never seen. And they grow that and they teach us that. So, man, it's just about, once again, while I'm learning, it's my job to to teach. And sometimes teaching is, hey, come on, be a part of this with us and learn and learn how to take it from wherever we are as a family and take it up there. You know what I mean? Like create your own path throughout what we've already built as well. You don't always have to go out. I think in our community, sometimes they think, no, I got to go get it on my own. Yeah. No, no, we, we, we're, we're doing a lot. We're putting a lot of work in. I'm spending a lot of time away. And so once you see what we got and what you can take, what we're doing, and how can you elevate that? And now you do that on your own. We, you know what I'm saying? Within the yeah. family. And so just trying to get them to understand that because that wasn't taught to us. We had to go out and get it on our own. I don't want them to have to go get it on their own. I want them to build from within. But if you do find something along the way, then please bring me along and educate me too. Or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so trying to really bring what family is to me and making sure my kids understand what that is. So in terms of losses, you know, everyone sees our wins. This made this much money. You made that. Everyone, everyone asked me about my Zoom uh, investment. Oh, you, you, you a trillionaire with the Zoom investment. Everyone talks about that. <laughs> but not understanding, you know, the tech space is like roulette. You know, you place 36 bets and, you know, it's, just, it's similar eyes just multiplied. And we talked about, you know, your success with wine, your success with uh, the skincare product, you know, the presidential award with NAACP, you know, the entertainment company, all these things that you're succeeding in. I, I want to dive into how we deal with losses because we've all had lo losses and particularly in the business space, you know, like I've had investments go to zero that look promising, plenty of them. And... I know you've had, you know, people love highlighting our losses as well. So how do you respond to those things? And, you know, what do you try to take from that process of, you know, what I did right, what I did wrong? Well, it's, it's education. You know what I mean? Like, just like your wins. Like I said, we we celebrate our, our, our wins, whether it's big or small. We're going to celebrate them however we decide to do that. But also, too, when we have our losses, man, that's that's where you that's where the education is. Education ain't really in the wins. I ain't gonna even hold you. The education is in the losses, right? Mm -hmm. that, don't take it as a loss, take it as a lesson. And mm -hmm. I think as athletes, what we do know is, you know, those those L's that we took along our journey is what 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 made us who we were, who, who we were and who we are. And so in business, it's the same thing. I don't I don't take it, you know, I we put money in a lot of investments that you, you ain't never seeing again. Right. And I've had some investments that I was like, I ain't seeing nothing. Then eventually I was like, wait a minute. Five, six years later, I'm like, wait, is it it's doing something? It's a lot. <laughs> so it's really, man, just really just educating yourself on why you had those losses. You know what I'm saying? Why did you invest in those? Why did you invest with those people? What did, what did you learn from that investment? Um, and so just it, you ain't going to win on every day. You're going to have you're going to lose days. You're going to lose moments. You're going to lose investment. You're going to lose games. 
But in the midst of that, we go back and we watch film, don't we? Yes, sir. We watch film. We break down film. We talk about okay, why why this is we we missed that defensive assignment. We missed that defensive assignment. We missed that shot. So that's the same thing in business. Go back and, and understand why you lost. Why why did you lose in that instant? I want I wanted to ask you something because I know you said in your uh, later years you always enjoy uh, you know drinking wine and having business conversations, and uh, in a mixture of that, I think you also said I made my career. I've had a goat career, but I might not be in the, the debate for goats. And one thing that I noticed from the older generations of like Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, everything like that, when you talk to LeBron or Carmelo or D Wade, are y'all like, yo, this is a marathon, like. We did this basketball shit a little bit, but like wait until the next level in the next 30 or 40 years. I'm going to blow this shit out the water. Let's see who accumulates more. Do y'all ever have that type of battles? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you guys never stop the competition. And I think it's pretty dope when you see the way that uh, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan paid to what you guys are doing now. True story. It's, it's unbelievable. Even how the union built so much, has grown so much. It's like we have to have those real convos and really celebrate where we just came came from in like two short decades yeah man i i think you one thing we have the ability now to see is when people do have wins and i think it depends on how you you take a win so brian has a lot of wins mellow i know mellow mellow has a lot of wins in businesses right like even they have more wins at times than me and then at times i have a win but it's just like when i when i get done with a game when i was early on i'm like okay what brian do oh yeah yeah 45 tonight all right let me you know what i'm saying and so i it's just how you it's not coming off as, as being a hater of someone's success it's coming off being pushed and you know what i'm saying being pushed by somebody else that you know what i'm saying because sometimes you think you've done it you get a win you do something you're like hey, i did it and then you're like wait he doing what yeah it's like, it's, it's like being friends with dre <laughs> you know? you're like damn this nigga amazing yeah. like, you're a monster no, 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 you got a, you got a hole in one. I was, I was hating. No, I was hating. He said I was. I, oh my, I'm like, this dude got a hole in one, nah. I, and I got good, and it ain't got close. I'm not no. good though. That's you good. That's the. I'd rather be good than get a hole in one. Because now everybody, it's, I didn't just raise the levels for myself that I wasn't ready to raise yet. Nah, I, 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 I'm up in this game. I was skeptical. I'm like, nah, he rich enough. He he rich enough to figure out a hole in one out of nowhere. I'm like, nah. I know exactly what that is. I'm just trying to be like Steph, man. I'm trying to be good at life. When you listen, good at life, man. When you when you treat people the right way, it's the karma of life. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, my karma was good, man. The guy stopped the world. He said, "Let me bless this young man right now." And to hit a hole in one on the seventh hole of Pebble Beach. What's up, Ryan Smith? I just thought I'd throw that out there because Ryan ain't done it. He live on Pebble Beach. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but it it was it was it was great. Uh, yeah, you know how you know how hard golf is, and to hit a lucky shot like that, man, the world stopped for about five minutes before I had to get back to golfing. But it, I was floating for a little while. I ain't gonna even lie to you. <laughs> That's real. I'm, well, I'm, we... I'm, I'm, I'm... Go ahead, Et. Uh, uh, go, Dre. Talk. No, yeah. I'm saying I'm wait. I'm waiting on that moment. I'm waiting on it, and I I don't you know what I'm gonna you do. You can't wait on it. Oh man, you can't <laughs> even wait on it because you ain't gonna never know when it's gonna come. Like. You can wait on I'm gonna get. I can wait on a par. Like I, you can't wait on a hole in one because that's the luckiest. You gotta be lucky. You know what I'm saying? Like some yes. people, good. They know out if I hit it with this club, it's gonna spin back because the heel. All right, we understand that, but you don't know if that ball gonna roll back in that hole. That that loop, that hole is big as this. That's and real. So you gotta be. It's it's all luck, man. But it's also you know it's a blessing that when it happens. And so 
I just got blessed, but I wasn't prepared for you, so I just took off. I didn't know. <laughs> so, uh, but I like I read. I like being lucky too. You know what I mean? You want to be. A, you want to have a little luck on your side. For well, sure. Wait, before we get up out of here, we want to ask who you got winning the championship. Who's gonna be lucky enough to uh, hold that trophy up? And uh, l- let us know. I don't know. I, that's the good thing about being on this <laughs> yeah. side. I don't have to know. I ain't even on TV no more where I got to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person it, where I need to see you. I got I to gotta, I gotta see you. Like, in the beginning of the year, you're not showing me nothing. Everybody is having a good time, and, you know, you winning some games. It's like football right now. Now we're getting in the football season. Now we're about to get into these next five games. We're about to see who's real and who ain't, right? And so, yeah, we can point at and say, yeah, Denver's coming off a championship. You know, they got the best player in the NBA, you know, so forth and so on, uh, because he won a championship and he's the finals MVP last year. So he is the best player coming back this year, no matter what someone, no matter what polls say. That's how us as players, we say, like Yana mm-hmm. said, Steph won last year, he's the best player. That's how we go. That's how I, that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. But you can look at all these teams and say, okay, the Lakers got a chance because now they, they didn't, they didn't, they depth and this and that. But you got to see how it all come together. You got to, you know what I mean? Like on Denver, I don't know who who went off in the summer and had a little extra celebration where they ain't coming back and they going to provide the same thing that they provided last year. So come back to me in 2024 (laughs) at some point, man, when I see all what everybody, you know, first couple months is out the way. And now we got to get a real good look at, you know, who's gotten better, who's really gotten better. What player is going to come back that we didn't know was better? What coaching staff got better? What offense they running that is different? Like I, I look at the game so differently, man. I ain't about those predictions because those predictions just get you in trouble. <laughs> you just guessing. And so I like to, I want to see it. And so I, I'll be at the games this year. I'll be watching. I'll be looking to see who got it, who, you know, who got it. And I can, like Ig, and I'm sure, Ev, you, you know, been on winning teams, you can walk in certain locker rooms and know if that team have a chance by times. Yeah. You, yes, you can walk in the locker room and know that. You ain't even got to yeah. be around that team. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or if they got a chance to to grow as the season go on, right? As well, because some teams like us, when we won in 06, you'd have started the season off. Nobody would have said the Heat would have would have won. But if you watched us grow throughout the year and throughout the playoffs, that's how we eventually became the champion the champion team that we did because we we kept growing, we kept building. Yeah. Some teams hit that plateau in December, or in, I mean in January or February, we kept going. And so, some teams don't even understand why it's important to buy each other meals. Like, you know what I mean? Or, like, sacrifice. Like, the pregame meals at the arena, it's like, bro, if you know your teammate is hungry, pull out money and buy for everybody in the locker room. Yeah, Not bro. just for yourself, bro, or I'm going to steal your fries. Like, that's like, you know what I mean? Like, what I'm sick of is this 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 word that every like everyone says they want to win. If you hear everybody interview, they say, I just want to win. Well, really? Yeah. Do you know what it takes to just want to win? Yep. What role you may have to play? Are you willing to play any role? That yeah. is asked for you to win. Yeah. Ah, everybody ain't willing to do that, but everybody say they want to win. Yeah, dude. So yeah, I, yeah dude be averaging tw- twenty five one and one, and be like, I'm just trying to win. And yeah, like, no, no. Bro, I'll just let's keep it real. Listen, <laughs> when you first get in the league, you ain't just trying to win. You trying to get to that money, and you trying to live that dream out and right away. All right, we yes. ain't trying to win right away. We trying to get yes. to that money because yes. we ain't got it, and we trying to live this dream out. We want to yes. play with the best play. Then, at some point in your career, you start focusing towards winning. But when you start focusing towards winning, what are you willing to do? Like, people talk, they can talk about all these things when they talk about someone's career. Well, this guy won with this guy. This guy won with this guy. Well, that guy was willing to win. I was willing to win with LeBron. Any means necessary. So, here you go. I'll take less shots. I'll take. What are you doing that you're willing to win? 
And that's not just on the court. That's off the court as well. What, you Are you spending time with people, families? Do you know, like Riley came in one day, he was like, hey, do you know GP's son name? Do you know Mike Doliak's son name? We all was looking at each other like, nah. He was like, well, get to know each other. You're not going to go out and play for each other if you don't really know each other. You feel me? And, yeah, and, right. and know their families. Know, like, know what he like to eat for lunch. Like, know all these things. And so it's a lot of people who say they want to win that will not come even close to winning because they're not willing to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. I've, chewed I, our, I've chewed our third unit guys out before. Like, we're going to blow a lot of people out. So y'all going to get a lot of five minutes together in the games. And it should never be ugly because y'all should be constantly working in unison together because y'all spend time with each other. The reason why I look so crazy is because I know you don't know what he's doing. You don't know what he's doing. You don't know his favorite play. You don't know where he likes to get shots. I'm like, that makes a huge difference. And for third unit guys, that could keep you in the league an extra three, four years. The average career is only three years. So y'all really on your last leg. How about you make the most of it? So spot on. But I, I like, like, I love talking to young players about the game. And one thing I tell, like, especially someone who's a point guard, someone who's going to have the ball. If you don't know what every, if you don't know that I like the, I like that pass right here. I ain't Steph. I can't grab it up here, grab that joint, and put it up. But if you hit it in my pocket, I'll mm -hmm. make this for you. But if you don't know that, you got to know these small details. I got to know that you, when you D roll, I, I can't pass that ball until that, that, that foot is planted. I can't, if I pass too early, it's too early. Like you got to know all these little small details about each teammate on your team, especially if you're one of the best players on your team, if you want everybody, if you want to win and you, and you know, you got, you need everybody to win. So if you're not sitting there watching every detail, you're not really going to get to the point where you're going to win because you need to know what everybody likes. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm saying? Like I got to know, okay, with Shaq, he on this block, he spin out on this block on that block. He ain't spinning out catching it. So you know what, big fella, don't spin out over there. Come out for this pick and roll. Like whatever. You got to know yeah. these little details. Yes, sir. And I'm all about that, man. So to be a win to to have won championships, as you know, it details on the court and it details off the court. I know when LeBron eating uh, eating a certain meal, I was like, oh okay, he got he got seven pancakes today. Oh okay, we on tonight. Or yeah. uh, he eating that much, he ain't. You know what I'm saying? Gonna be a slow yeah. morning. Or it's gonna be a slow. You're gonna be a slow start to the game. I gotta know all these things, man, because I need to know how you think, so I know how to play with you in in moments when it gets not the first quarter, not the second quarter, not the third quarter. When it gets to the fourth quarter and we last five minutes, I gotta know how you think. I gotta know what you ate today. I gotta know all these things so I know what I need to give you as a leader or as one of the players. I want to ask one last question before we get out because you're talking about leadership and knowing how you think. And one thing I'll always remember, I was thinking about the other day when, when I knew we were going to interview you, was uh, during the 2011 finals. This is nothing crazy or anything, but it talks about how bad you want to win. And I, and I could be misunderstood. I could misinterpret it, but I remember, you know, you had to not yell at LeBron, but you had to like, you know, I was on his ass. You yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, I was on yeah, his ass. But you might have been <laughs> the only person in the world where I'm like, yo, this is. You talk about a killer. He's like looking like, all right, bro, all that buddy, buddy shit is out the window. It's time to drop your nuts and step up. Yeah. And that's like, I always tell people that story about like playing versus you guys and saying like the Heatles are big, big deals, but it was no pretty shit at all. They played really yeah. hard. And then when you yeah. talk about killers, I'm like, bro, D-Wade was yelling at Bron <laughs> and telling me on the biggest stage and like get your shit together, yeah. bro. And it's not like baby him. It's like, no, dog, like it's time to step up and do this. And I always yeah. just uh, remember that, and that was uh, that was crazy. And it's, it's, it, it, I guess it talks 
to about how mature you both are because there was no fallout after that. And you see certain teams be like, yo, I need I need a trade or this is this person's fault and I want to get up out of here. You guys are able to make it to four straight NBA championships and, uh, you know, win two of them. Yeah, bro. You, you got you to gotta know, as, especially as a leader, you have to know you, you, can't, you can't just – it's not one blueprint to each player. Right, you. I can't talk to LeBron like I talk to Mario, like I talk to UD, like I like I talk to Chris Bosh. I had to know how to and when to mm-hmm. be able to talk to those individuals. And so, Bron, I knew our relationship. I knew I could talk to Bron because he can talk to me the same way. We ain't, we ain't sensitive. We that was first off. Hey, we ain't gonna be sensitive because if we want to accomplish what we want to accomplish, it's gonna be hard. And you know what? It's gonna come down to me and you. And so in that moment in Dallas, it was coming down to me and him. And he was, and I didn't feel like he was playing to the level that he needed to for us to win. You know what I mean? And whatever the struggle was, like, it's my job as a leader to try to help him get out of it. And it, and that moment may have not been for that finals. That moment may have been for the next finals and the next finals and the next finals. And that was my job as someone who had already seen it from a, from a championship, from winning a championship in the NBA. I'm not as talented as LeBron. I never have been. So I wasn't talking about the talent. I, I can't do what he do, but I have one and I have one on the road before and I have done all these things. So I know what it takes. And so for me at that moment, I was just trying to give him what I knew he needed. Um, and that was, I had to light a fire under him in a certain way. And he took it respectfully. And we didn't win that finals, but we won the next one and we won the next one and we was in the next one. And we watched a player go from, you know, he's very, very good. He's one of the greats too. Now he's at that GOAT conversation because he learned how to win. And so I'm not saying I taught him how to win, but I did give him certain uh, details that he needed to help him get over that hump just to to be able to win in the NBA, a championship. Now, he did the rest physically and all those things. I had nothing to do with that, but I do have a role to play as well. And that was my role at that time was to at that moment. I was like, I got to get on him because he don't he's not understanding this moment right now. I understand if we let this next two possessions go. It's over for us. Yeah. Like it's it's so important. And when you're playing in the finals, possession by possession. And even though he'd been in the finals before, he never won one at that time. So he didn't understand the importance of that. And it was my job to try to bring him back so so he understand the importance of what we needed from him and what you know what I'm saying to try to win that game and try to win that series. So and accept, a- and accept his destiny. I got one final thing. And he'll never say it, but if you could, if you feel this way, can you make one final push? or a stamp as to why my guy Andre Iguodala should be in the Hall of Fame? Uh-uh. <laughs> well, I got to – so when I, let me – let me first of all, I was going to end talking about Ig anyway because yeah. to go through 19 years, Ig? Yes, sir. 19 years in the NBA, first of all, man, like that's incredible. The the longevity of that, the, you know, and not, and not healthy all those years. So to fight back through injuries and all the things you had to do to be able to, to, to stay there and be an important figure on one of the, the, in one of the greatest franchises and some of the greatest teams that we've ever seen in this 70, what now we probably was 76, 77 years into the NBA, 77. 77 years into the NBA. That is a testament to, to, to you, to your family, to everything you stand for and the sacrifices you made along the way. I think people forget, that people forget the Philadelphia egg. They forget the one that was flying over everybody. That when him and Iverson was on a break, you, you watch out. They forget that Iguodala. Um, They forget the one that was at Arizona. Like they, they forget those. And so, first of all, I just want to give you so much respect for coming into this league and finding your role 
and being one of the greatest ever to do it the way that you did it. You don't have to look like Tracy McGrady career or LeBron career or your career is it's players that would love to walk away from this game and say, I played 19 years. I won four rings. Four, right? Yes, sir. I won four rings. I played with some of the best players in the world, but they needed me to do this and this and that. And I stepped up and they counted on me like your story. It's incredible. And so I feel that when players have have careers that you have not experienced before, that that is Hall of Fame worthy. Like Robert Ori is Hall of Fame worthy because we've never experienced what he brought to the game. Mm -hmm. So it's not, not just statistics when it comes to being a Hall of Famer. Some people, now it's levels. It's some goats in the Hall of Fame that don't want to wear the same jacket as other people. I, I, I respect <laughs> that. I respect Deion saying my jacket should be different. I, I respect I'm it. One it's different one. <laughs> but when it comes to what Ig brought to the game and how he did it, how many players you see doing it like that? How many players? Like, I, I want to look and see who's going to be the next Iguodala, who's going to be the next Udonis Haslam, mm -hmm. who's going to be these players that take these roles and master them roles, and also in the midst of mastering the roles, have to keep doing this. Oh, I got to change and do this. Oh, you need me to guard LeBron. Even though that finals MVP we could talk about, but let's move on. Um, you can guard this. We can guard that. Um, can't nobody do it like like no one is doing it like what, how Ig did it. And so, man, I just gave you so much respect on how you went by your career. How you you got the rings you got you got that Finals MVP trophy you got you got all those things because how you approached every day, your mentality of how you approached it and a lot of guys can't get out of their way here, and so man just so much love and respect for what you did, bro. Welcome to this side, but uh man you had a hell of a fucking career, bro. Man, I I truly appreciate that coming from you. You so damn humble that I got to remember who's saying it. So. <laughs> I, I truly, truly appreciate no, it. I appreciate we it. We all on the journey of basketball together, man. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And it is all about situations. It's not, you know, I think some people are just, they're a super duper duper talented and, you know, they have that level. And some people have been put in better situations than other people. What are you going to do about the situation you've been put in? The situations you were put in as an athlete, you got four rings out of in the finals MVP. Mm -hmm. That's, <laughs> I mean, I'll, you know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't just sit on the bench and do those things. Right. And so, my situation was I eventually got the ball. So I was able to become something that maybe no one's seen. But it's all about your situation and what you're going to do with it. So I just just love and respect to what you did with what was presented to you in this league and how you continue to keep evolving. And to be a player that a Steph Curry, who's one of the GOATs to ever play this game, needs, I want him on this team. I need him in his lineup. I need him in the, at the end of the games. You know what I mean? Like if a player like that say I need him, bro, that shows you how important you are to the game. True story. True story. Well, D-Wade, man, once again, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for always being so gracious. You made me look so cool in Paris at the Usher concert. Everybody's like, that's <laughs> Dwayne and Gabby. I'm like, let me go say hi to Dwayne and Gabby real quick. We about that vibe in Paris, you know what I mean? Yeah, your security guard was trying to beat me up. But other than that, <laughs> it, it was smooth. And uh, we're looking forward to what you do next. Shout out to everything you do, uh, the platform you're on, and uh, the opportunities you give people. And uh, I believe Just for Kicks with our guy Worldwide Wayne is dropping pretty soon. We're looking forward yeah, my, to... Uh, my cousin, my, my cousin uh, Antoine Way, he... Uh, yeah. I know he, he's a part of that, that series, man. And you see, I'm in my room with... I got some of my kicks in here. And we're athletes, bro, but we, we're kids that grew up with nothing, and we always wanted kicks. We wanted multiple pairs of kicks. Yes, yeah, so sir. We all got – it's a story to all these – everyone I wore, it's a story to each one of these joints. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I remember, oh, I had these on that night. I, and so shout-out to my cousin, Antoine. Shout-out to Just for Kicks and everything that they're doing. But shout-out to everybody in the sneaker world, bro, because that's us. Like, we are part yeah. of it. And, Ev, shout-out to you for being one of the first to sign with Lee Ning, man. 
I, you know, I respect you for it, and hopefully I've represented the right way, you know, since you've left the brand. Oh, no, you did your thing. Don't don't worry about that. You did your motherfucking thing. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, appreciate you, man. Love, D-Wade. Much, much love. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. 